Thank you for joining us today for another exciting episode of uh, Conversations with Ken Shin. We always like to have people on that, that have encounters with God, and Steve Hemphill definitely falls into that category. Today, we're going to delve into subjects that I know you're going to find uh, something that you probably maybe not addressed much before, that maybe you don't hear much in your church. We're going to be talking about heaven, spiritual warfare, staking out the land, uh, prayers that prevail, uh, getting through to God, and many other subjects. So uh, we're going to start here with uh, Steve. I've known Steve for a number of years, and I'm just going to ask Steve just briefly to kind of set things up so you can uh, get to know him a little bit about his background, maybe his business background briefly and how he came to know the Lord. And then we're just going to let him kind of run as he uh, has so many exciting stories, man. I just, I love to listen to Steve talk. Uh, he's got just God stories just left and right about what the Lord's doing through his ministry. Uh, we're going to have descriptions in the, in the box that ways you can contact Steve, where you can order his books. Uh, if you'd like to have him come speak at your church or conference, anything like that, uh, um, you, wouldn't re you won't regret it. That'd be a, a, a great time. So it's my pleasure, Steve. Thank you for thank you for thank you today. thank you for inviting me. It's yes. uh, I love you guys so much. Your whole family has been so special yes. to me, Amen. and this community has been so supportive uh, to me through a through a weird uh, background, and, and I'll just give you the background. You said give sure. a little background on my, yeah. I was a business guy here for almost 30 years before I accidentally became an author. <laughs> I know that's kind of weird, but you've been through some similar kind of stuff. You accidentally became an author too. Yes. God leads us in ways we weren't expecting to go. But but I grew up in a small central Texas town, uh, Mason near Fredericksburg. And my dad was the mayor when he died very unexpectedly in the summer of uh, 2000. He was only 69, had a heart attack right after a checkup where they said he was in great shape. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when your time's up, God's ready to bring you home. It's going to happen, yeah. no matter what man says. Yes. And my little brother and I were looking for the will after his death. He helped mom through the funeral, and she gave us the combination to this big old safe in the back of his office. And uh, we figured that's where the will was. We start digging, and we found a sealed envelope from dad addressed to me and my brother, but my dad had written on the front of the envelope, if you boys find this after I'm dead, do not open this envelope. It's not important. Destroy it without opening it. Dad. Did you open it? No, we burned it. You burned it. Without okay. reading it because right. we wanted to, uh, for dad to be proud of us when we meet him at the resurrection. We didn't want to have to hang our head. <laughs> yeah, I opened it, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would not have been good. And so it's been very interesting. All the things that uh, I, I call them God stories. All the God stories I have after uh, happened after that event. So in other words, I think God said once I, uh, he saw he could trust this guy, then he started letting things happen where I could help other people. So that's kind of how I uh, look at it. And uh, it, it, was a, it began with a book on heaven. There were no books on heaven back then. So I researched and ended up getting talked into writing a book about heaven. But most of my seminars, most of my podcasts uh, on Battle Plan, the podcast, those things, they're all focused mainly on spiritual warfare. And I think God has given me these stories for such a time as this Amen. because we need encouragement uh, today. So I was a business guy for almost 30 years before I got talked into writing that book on heaven. And then it led to a lot of other books and things. Amen. So that's your overview. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's just go right in, Steve. I know you're a busy man in ministry. So when you first started doing this, was was it the stakes first after heaven? Yes, I started, uh, actually, I, I was writing this book second. When I finished the heaven book, I was writing 
prayers Satan hates, intending to share prayer success stories from all my years in, in business. And uh, I have so many neat stories where answered prayer in, in business and things like that. So I was just going to share those. But I prayed a weird or unique uh, prayer, I guess you'd say. I prayed that uh, God would give me something special to put in this uh, book that would really help people. And yes. um, he did. I, I, I just immediately, within two days after praying that, this guy called me who was uh, one of the uh, Christian leaders in our community. And he said, Steve, is it, is it true your next book is going to be on spiritual warfare and the power of prayer. And I said, yes, why? He said, well, I've got a friend who's not a Christian. I've been trying to bring him to Jesus for 25 years. He's a great guy, but he's mad at God, and I can't make any progress with him. But right now, he's got a spiritual warfare problem. Yes. And so I'm thinking this might be, you know, our chance to convert him. You're writing on spiritual warfare. Would you talk to him? And I said, well, sure. sure. I don't know if I can help, but I'll try. You know, I'll talk to him. And so I meet this guy, Bill, and I just say, you know, what's wrong? What's your uh, spiritual warfare problem? And he looks at me dead serious. He says, I have demons on my property. I'm getting ready to commit suicide. I just wanted to talk to you first. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm raised ultra conservative, acapella, Church of Christ. I'm the last guy you should be calling for help in this arena. And yet here God put me in the middle of this story. I did not know how to help that guy, but I know, I don't know if they're uh, uh, hallucinations or if they're real demons. At this point, I'd never heard of that. And so I'm just, I start praying, Lord, tell me what to say. He's not a Christian and he's going to kill himself. Tell me, how do I help this guy? And as soon as I prayed, a very strange verse from Deuteronomy chapter six popped in my head. Now, I mean, I couldn't have quoted it if you'd offered me a thousand dollars, but all of a sudden I could just see the verse in my mind, the whole thing, clear as day. I think it's verses six through eight that says, you're living in a land that's full of evil. And by the way, we are today. We're living in a land full of evil. So it says, be sure and put my word on your gates and doorposts. Well, you know, the Jews didn't say, oh, that's just symbolic. You don't do that literally. Right. No, they, they did it. They did it literally. Yeah. They still do it literally. It. It's called a mezuzah. It's a small box. They amount to their doorposts, their outside yeah. doors. They touch it or kiss it. If you watch The Chosen, they're touching it and kissing it when they mm-hmm. pass through the, the doorways, you know. It's not a magic box. It's a symbol of their covenant relationship yes. with God. It's a symbol of their connection to God. And so when that verse popped in my head, I just sort of first went, you know, how does that help anything? And then it sort of dawned on me. And I said, Bill, I interrupted him. He's still, he's telling me all the reasons why he thinks he has demons on his property. He's hearing voices. He's having suicidal thoughts. He's having nightmares. He's having betray, friends are betraying him. Others are stealing money from him. He's, he's about to go bankrupt if, if things don't change. All these bad things are happening and, and he's planning his suicide the day I meet him. And I just interrupted him. He's telling me all that. And I said, Bill, stop just a minute. Don't kill yourself yet. Let's wait a little bit. Let's try something bizarre. You know, the Bible is full of bizarre stories. You know, there's talking snakes and walking on water, resurrection, virgin birth. You know, let's take some tent stakes and put Bible verses on them and hammer them all the way in the ground on the four corners of your place where this weird stuff is happening. And we'll just go read the verses together and ask God to make it stop and see what he does. You know, I'm, I'm grasping at straws. Sure. Trying to help a guy who's planning his suicide who's not even a believer in Jesus Christ. Yeah. God's taking you out of your comfort zone here to Amen. stretch you out from your Church of Christ growing <laughs> up and and uh, 
now you're dealing with demons all of a sudden. And I, and I don't know how, but he's, he's yes. nudging me with the verses yes. and things to say. So that sort of clicked, and that's what we did. And I don't, the, the whole story is too long to tell you now, but let me tell you, when we did that, everything changed. He said the atmosphere changed. I can tell you his attitude changed because he became a Christian the next week and wanted to be baptized. I still have the video of his baptism on my on my phone. And, and you know, <clears throat> I'm raised so conservative that my main concern at this point is how do I write this story and not look weird to all my friends? Yes. Because that just is a weird story. And I have no I have no point of reference anywhere close to that, biblically or theologically speaking. I have a marketing degree. You know, I'm, I, I shouldn't know how to do any of this yeah. kind of stuff. Call, call the preacher. Yeah. This is his <laughs> They don't know either. See, they that's don't. the problem. That's the problem. And so um, I'm sitting here trying to do that one night, and my wife is in the kitchen cooking. By the way, it's a rare event. She usually, uh, I hide her Christmas presents <laughs> in the oven. You know, she never yeah. finds them. Don't yeah. tell her I said that. But anyway, she's uh, answered the phone, uh, and it's another lady who teaches with her. And uh, she says, uh, Mary Lynn, is it true Steve's next book is on spiritual warfare? She said, yeah, what? She said, I got to talk to him right now. Can I come over? She's all panicky. Yeah. And, and she said, yeah, come on over. So she comes over. She'd been on a mission trip overseas with her church. Mm-hmm. And now she's having, she called them terrifying demonic nightmares. Every night at exactly 3 a.m. on the clock. Now, I never heard of that either. You know, now we got a second episode of he's putting me in the middle of questions and stories that I don't have the answers to. And uh, I just said, well, I never heard of, of terrifying demonic nightmares. Would you please describe that for me? Yeah. And she did. And later I found the Bible verse was almost word for word what she said that day. It's Job 4, 13 yes. to 17. It right. says, it came to me in a disturbing vision at night mm-hmm. when people are in deep sleep. Fear gripped me. My bones trembled. A spirit swept past my face. My hair stood on end. That's mm-hmm. Job 4. That's what she's describing. Victoria yeah. just went on and on about this shadowy figure and waking up at three every night for six weeks. At this point, she's scared to go to sleep and she's exhausted and she doesn't want to tell anybody because they're going to think she's crazy. They're yeah. going to send her to a psychiatric hospital. Right. Yeah. There's because we don't talk about these things. They have a term. It's called uh, night terrors. Right. Psych- That's right. Psychologists. They That's call right. them night terrors. They're not calling it what the scripture calls it. That's right. In yeah. fact, if they're paid by the state as a counselor, if they're paid like a school counselor or a, or a yes. VA, they're they're not even allowed to mention the possible the possibility of demonic. Right. It's against the law. Satan yes. loves that yes. because he can sneak in and we can't even diagnose with the people that are paid to do that. Yeah. So, so anyway, she just said, what do I do? You're an expert. And I said, well, <laughs> Victoria, thanks, but I'm not an expert, but Bill was going to kill himself. And we took some tent stakes and put Bible verses on them and, yes. and hammered them in the ground around his property. And, and he became a Christian. You might want to try that. Amen. She said, okay. So she went to Army Navy here on the loop in Longview and she bought some stakes and she wrote verses all over them and she lived in an apartment. So she said, I might move. So I'm going to stand them in the corners. So she just stood them in the four outermost corners of her apartment. She read the verses out loud and she prayed that God would make it stop. Yes. Well, guess what? It stopped yeah. immediately. Yeah. She was very relieved. Now she's starting to relax a little. And after three or four days with no more nightmares anymore, she finally told her best friend all about it. Mm-hmm. Well, the best friend was her principal. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, she's calling saying, my principal wants to know if you'd come stake out our school, public school. Okay. 
<clears throat> I said, well, okay. We're, going, uh, we're, we're going one step further and further each time. Man. Way out of my comfort yeah. zone now. And I said, well, let's do it at night when nobody knows so we don't get sued. You know? right. I'm not stupid, yes. you know. Right. Uh, and so she said, that'd be fine. So we went up there one night. I won't tell you where it was. No, I don't want to know. <clears throat> but uh, with a, a, a hammer, a key to the front gate. A flashlight and four stakes, and we don't tell anybody what we're doing because I don't want anybody in trouble. And we prayed a wall of protection around that school. We prayed for everybody connected, even the delivery people, you know, families of the administrators, kids and their families, teachers and their families, everybody connected. We asked God to just protect them from evil, deliver them from evil. Mm -hmm. And when we, there's a lot of bad things going on in our schools, and they were having it there. It's an understatement. Uh, That's right. So as I began to leave that night, it was dark by this point, and they're fixing to get in their cars and leave, and I just turned to them off the cuff and said, ladies, I want to tell you something to encourage you. Tomorrow, there's going to be some really mad demons because they can't get in here anymore. You see, we just put a wall of God around this place, and he's not the great I used to could. Amen. He calls himself the I am because he's still busy doing here, now, and today. And they said, well, that's great. We need it. So actually, you know, I leave and I'm on the road speaking my first book on heaven here. So I'm speaking about heaven all over the country. My search for the real heaven was the was the entry level into that. So I'm speaking on that. And about uh, nine months later, they called me and uh, I'd forgotten about them. And I said, well, how's the school going? And they said, great. All the problems are gone. It's like a whole different campus. And of course, I'm supposed to have faith. But I say, you're kidding. <laughs> I mean, really? Wait a minute. I said, what happened to the man who works there who was causing most of the problems. They said, uh, oh, he died. What? He died? I said, was he old? No, he was in his 30s. He had a heart attack. And you know, I'm not happy somebody died, but when kids are at risk, God seems to get serious. Better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown to the bottom of the sea than lead a child astray. And our children are being led astray. And so uh, I, I said, what happened? You're kidding. He died. Yeah. Heart attack. And his mother came to the campus after the funeral and demanded to see the principal. And when the principal came out in the lobby, she starts cursing at her and screaming, you killed my son. This school killed my son. They had to call security to have her escorted off the property. Yes. And, you know, you can't make this stuff up. No. Next thing you know, people are calling me saying, hey, Steve, how much are your stakes? I said, <laughs> I don't sell stakes. Go make your own stakes. Yeah. And that's when the funny questions started. Uh, how long are they? What color are they? How far apart are they? What, what are they made out of? How deep right. do they go? What verses? How many verses? Do you go all the way in the ground or part yes. of the way in the ground? What if your property's not square? Uh, can I put them under the corners of my F Ford 150? <laughs> you know, in my hotel room, all these funny questions, but I'm sharing them on Thursday mornings with my men's prayer group. Mm-hmm. And one day they turned to me and they said, Steve, we think this is a God thing and you need to sell steaks. And if it's from God, you can't stop it. And if it's not from God, then you can't make it successful. Right. It's all up to God. Yes. They said, maybe, you know, you walked away from a good salary to no salary to do this. I had quit my job and walked away from my business that right. I started from scratch. We, we were doing six million a year when I just walked away from yeah. it, you know, and, and doing this full time. So good salary to no salary. Maybe they said this is God's way to help you and help other people. Yes. Amen. So that one of them said he had a machine to make uh, labels that are real durable that last 10 years outside. He said, if you'll pick the verses, I'll make the labels for you and you can put them on the stakes and see what God does with it. Yeah, with this. Amen. 
So they talked me into selling these steaks and I start going everywhere. I was selling my heaven book and the prayer Satan hates book. There you saw it. And I was just telling these stories. And I say, look, you can make your own steaks, but I have some here if you want some. Yeah. I started selling steaks like crazy. Now, a lot of people made their own and that's great. It's not the steak. It's the act of faith and right. it's the power of the word. Lord. That's all it is. You know, uh, you know, Moses had to rose his hands to beat the Amalekites. That's yeah. action. Faith plus action. They touched the hem of the garment. Yeah. Gee, faith plus action is all through the Bible. It's the norm, yes, it not the exception. Yeah. So people started calling me with story after story after story of good things that happened when they staked their property and claimed it for the Lord. It's yes. kind of like Satan's taking the land. Let's mark it off and take it back one house at a time, one mm. church at a time, one town at a time, one city right. at a time. You know? right. And so next thing I know, I'm selling so many steaks that this camping company I'm ordering them from in New Jersey called one day and they said, is this Steve Hemphill? Yeah. They said, we just called to tell you, we just canceled your last order for 700 more steaks. We don't have any more. We don't know what you're doing with all the steaks you've been buying, but please go buy them somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm in marketing, so that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But uh, I just said, okay. So about two days later, I get a call from Jacksonville, Texas, right here an hour from Longview right. and, on, and East Texas, but I don't know anybody in Jacksonville. And this guy goes, is this Steve Hemphill? And I said, yeah. And, uh, and he said, are you the guy putting Bible verses onto tent stakes. You've already, you've already got a, you've already got a reputation here, Steve, of the and I said, man. Yes, that's me. Yeah. He said, well, I'm a plastics manufacturer and we'd like to make them for you. We made the cups for the Cowboys games and there's actually words on the cups on the bottom built into the plastic. We do that by putting engraving in the mold. Right. And we could do that with a steak mold and put the engraving of the verses that you, that you're putting on the stickers. And then the, the, uh, steaks themselves would have verses built into the plastic and you wouldn't have to put stickers on them anymore. There's 16 verses. And I said, well, that'd be great. How would this work? And he said, uh, well, you got to buy the mold and then bring it to us. We have the machines the mold goes in and, and, uh, we'll make the steaks for you. And I said, well, thank you. I said, well, that'd be great. I said, well, uh, how would this have to work? And buy the mold and bring it to us. I said, well, how much is a mold? Is that expensive? You know, I'm in, I'm in ministry and I don't have a salary in zero. Right, you know? yeah. And he said, well, the, it's about $10,000. Yes. And I said, thank you for calling. Have a nice day. <laughs> and he said, hold on, hold on. Don't yeah. hang up. What are you doing with all these steaks? Yes. So I started telling him stories. I mean, one lady who was agoraphobic for 22 years, I had to tell her I was stupid longer than that. What does agoraphobic mean? I didn't know that it meant it's a fear of crowds and I didn't know what it was. She said, nothing helped until we staked our house. You're right. God's word is powerful. She's crying, telling me these stories. People calling saying we were about to get a divorce and we staked our home and prayed and the atmosphere changed. And all of a sudden we're more in love than ever. We staked at our church and the giving went up. You know, again, you can't make this stuff up. And so... Uh, after I told him five or six stories, he interrupted me. He said, stop, never mind. I'll pay for the mold. Praise God. I just said, you don't even know me. He said, I know God. And this is a God thing. I want to be yes. part of it. He's hearing the voice of God. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so far we've ordered 144,000 steaks from him mm. and shipped them Praise literally God. all over the world. I had one person call Friday and say, how quick could I get 50,000 of them for a mm. project they're working on? Yes. They're working on stake in the nation of Haiti right now. Haiti is in a mess. We sent the first 500 stakes in and the preacher was attacked on the way home from the airport to pick them up. Wow. He'd never been attacked in 30 years till he picks up stakes yeah. and put them in his trunk. The enemy knows this works. Markers on the land is all through the Bible. This is why the enemy doesn't want us to post the Ten Commandments. 
Yes. It's because it's a symbol of God's power and authority on the land. He yes. He made the land. He owns the land. As children of God, we have the right to stake the land. Also, as a taxpayer, we have the right to stake the land. Sure. It's all about authority, and we have all authority. Luke yes. uh, ten nineteen. God gave us all authority over the power of the enemy. Yes. 